usual hustle and bustle to Portland's downtown district. But things are about to get very unusual. Watch carefully. It's very vivid because it's burned into your memory. Burned is exactly what jeweler David Margulis got the day architect Jason Shaw entered his store. He was very clean cut. He was wearing a nice shirt and tie and jacket. Like we're dressed. With money in his pocket and engagement on his mind, the ring shopping Romeo puts the staff at ease. He then said, may I compare the two rings and see them both together? But in an instant, he changes the rules of engagement from a potential suitor to stone cold crook. He turns on his heels and just jumps off the stairway, running out the door. And I took one look and knew what was going on and ran right after him. Crime alert now about a thief dressed so well, he took his victims by surprise. Tonight, we're taking you inside one of the country's most slick and daring robbery rings. A crew so meticulous, they even had someone wiping prints off of doorknobs. Michael Young cleaned your fingerprints off the door when you hit it going out. Yeah. So hardcore, they even tased themselves just to see what it felt like. To quote, become one with the taser. And so inventive, the tricks of their trade included a golf shirt, a cute little chihuahua, and a pair of wave runners. So, meet the bling ring. America's most successful diamond thieves with so much brass, they flaunt their loot and locations online, even using cash for a cushion. Turning on the charm to steal hearts and diamonds. You're kind of describing the doppelganger for Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. It was almost like it was a, a TV show type or a movie or something. Exactly. Tonight, we're taking you back to the scenes of the crime. Wonder if you have anything to say to the people. Wonder if you have anything to say to the people. You'll see it all. Every second of those hits and runs caught on tape. Because if diamonds are a gang's best friend, cameras are a cop's. They needed to be stopped and we were the people to stop them. Good evening, David is away tonight. A lot of young romantics want a big diamond, but do you know who else does? Jewel thieves. It is the number one gem to resell for the highest value. So tonight, we're taking you inside one of America's most notorious bling rings. Their cons, their capers, and all that incredible surveillance tape of their crime sprees, caught in real time. But when will they be caught? Once again, Matt Gutman. So what really went down at the Margulis Jewelry Store in Portland? Well, cracking the case becomes the responsibility and borderline obsession of veteran detectives Eric McDaniel and Brian Hughes. There's a digital signature to every one of these. Starsky and Hutch, they're not. McDaniel drives a Kia four-door and Hughes usually has his trigger finger on a computer mouse. I mean, we're talking property crimes here. They don't make a lot of news stories about property crime investigations. But make no mistake, these are straight shooting investigators. Highly trained, highly motivated, arriving on scene to find a curious set of circumstances. We have a lot of police officers that work in our downtown core. And for the person to get away that quick was unusual. Property crimes around here usually involve someone looking to make a quick score for drug money. But detectives feel the tail of the tape tells them otherwise. We were under the impression by the way the fella carried himself, he wasn't local. He seemed like he, he was squared away and, and had a plan. And they have another hunch. They don't think that he was working alone. There's got to be more than one guy. I mean, just from our experience, there always is. Let's rewind to show you what the police figured out, what the jeweler didn't realize at the time. The person must have known how to get away and must have had someone waiting for him to help him. 
That's correct. So there's a team of fellows out here on the streets looking out for him to do the theft. In this case, the suspect dubbed the runner has been provided all the tools needed to succeed. He's been told what to say, how to say it, even his identity is scripted. He's not Jason Shaw and he's not an architect. He's wearing clear glasses to alter his appearance and a fancy suit to appear successful. All of it provided by a man sitting outside orchestrating the entire event. He's called the risk reducer and he communicates through a disposable cell phone. He pre-planned everything to a point where the risks were reduced and the likelihood of them getting caught was zero. The second in command is also parked nearby. He's called the hero stopper. The person that stops the hero is gonna have some pepper spray on him or something to try to incapacitate the good citizen trying to stop the thief. Around the block waiting for his cue with the engine running is another guy. The getaway driver is getting into place. He's driving a white Dodge minivan stolen specifically for this job. You steal a car, it was never registered to you, there's nothing on paper showing you put money down for it, and that way you can just leave it. So there, there was a risk there, but I think it was a smart one. When the runner makes his move and exits store left, it's not a random choice. The risk producer has mapped out every step of the escape route. That's the jewelry store right there. This is Broadway. He hooks a left into the Pacific Center that has one very important feature. The runner ducks into a nearby office building called the Pacific Center because he doesn't want to be at the center of attention. He comes barreling down these stairs, races across the tile, and hits those revolving doors with a full head of steam. And that's this exit through the building on Southwest 6th Street. Now, there's a minivan waiting right here. Its doors open, and they drive away with $147,000 worth of diamonds. It was very successful, but I do have to give the guys credit. But wait, there's more. The runner alerts the risk reducer of a mistake during the heist. He left fingerprints on the front door. And look at this. True to his title, the risk reducer returns to the store during all the confusion and wipes the prints off the door. Meanwhile, the getaway driver steers that Dodge minivan south toward Salem, where it's abandoned. Now everyone piles into a pickup truck known as the wash vehicle. This truck is not a stolen vehicle and has never been used in a crime, providing everyone inside with an added layer of protection. I think that they were very confident in their level of planning and their skills and abilities. But who are these guys? Nobody seems to know, and at this point, the detectives are still playing catch-up. They get the word out to pawn shops in case anyone attempts to sell the rings, and they run down a host of dead ends. There were other tips that came in that I had to follow up on. They didn't seem promising. Hughes and McDaniel suspect this isn't the work of a local crew. These kinds of crimes are not real common here in the Portland metropolitan area. I had been a property crime investigator for some time and was familiar with the crime trends in Oregon. And that was unique for this state. And whoever the so-called Jason Shaw really is, he hasn't stuck around to find out how the story ends. With all the cameras, we had a very clear view of him. However, it was a cold trail because he left the city. Maybe, but it doesn't look like he and his crew went far. Another robbery goes down about 10 miles outside of Portland. It has happened again and again. It is caught on camera. A bold diamond theft, this one in Lake Oswego. This time, the runner is bundled up in hat and gloves with a warm heart for his girlfriend. He said that his girlfriend loved one of the uh, necklaces that was in the window and 
asked to see it. As the salesperson goes to get that necklace, he turns his attention to a safe in the back. As you see, he's not just a runner, but a high hurdler. Hopping over the counter, swiping a total of five different diamonds, and back out the front door. For a moment, I was just stunned, and I said to him, no, you don't. Oh, yes, he does. Still, no arrests and only headaches. Weeks pass, then one day the phone rings. It's a call that'll turn this case and the lives of our two detectives upside down. We knew this is going to be something that uh, we're never going to get to experience again in our lives as far as an investigation. This was a case of a lifetime.